episode number 158 of the Living Deliberately podcast. Hi, this is Shira Gura. Welcome to my podcast, where you'll learn how to get unstuck, get clear, and live your life deliberately. If you're new to me, just so that you know who you're signing up to listen to, I'm the creator of The Unstuck Method and The Clear Way, two groundbreaking self-help tools that promote your emotional health and well-being. I'm the author of the book, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being, and I'm currently writing my second book, Getting Clear. I teach all about these tools in my workshops, retreats, and coaching programs. I'm married to a wonderful husband named Boaz, and the mother of four children. I'm an avid yogini, and I'm passionate about composing music. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today, and now for today's episode. Hello, my dear friends, and thank you for joining me today. So I received a lot of feedback regarding last week's episode on getting from here to there. It definitely sparked a lot of thoughts for many of you, which I'm really glad about because that's what this podcast is all about, waking us up so that we can evolve into the best possible version of ourselves. So if you didn't yet tune into last week's episode, I recommend you do so. In a nutshell, what I shared was basically a question regarding if you could get to where you want to be right now, would you do it? Versus, would you rather go through the process of learning and the ups and downs and the getting stuck and the getting unstuck in order to get there? My viewpoint was that as difficult as the process may be, and it is difficult many times, I truly don't believe life was meant to be a piece of cake. And I'd rather go through the process of learning because it's in that process that I grow. I know that I don't grow from achieving what I want when I achieve it easily. I grow from the efforts that I take, from the decision to create whatever it is, to the challenges I face, to the rejections, and to the acceptances, and everything in between. And I know this sparked things in many of you, because at least from what I heard from some of you, you actually said that you would rather choose to skip the learning because the learning has brought you too much pain. And was all that pain and all the bad decisions really worth it? And how much time do you really have left to create what it is that you want? And I get that. I really hear you. And I still would claim to believe that this is what it's all about. It's all about learning how to live in this one life that we get. And it's not about ease and comfort, but it is about the challenges and the growth. Well, at least it is for me. And on that topic, I'm going to kind of segue right into this week's topic, which is on becoming. Now, I know there is a New York Times bestseller written by Michelle Obama, and now it's also a Netflix, I think it's a series or it's a show called Becoming. And I just want to say from the get-go, I have yet to read her book, though I am online to read it because I'm in a group with some friends where we share books with one another. And I also want to let you know that I haven't seen her show. So any sort of similarities that I speak about today, which I highly doubt there's going to be any, 
But just in case, I want to let you know from the get-go, I was not influenced by her book or her show because I didn't read or watch either. So here's the question. In episode 149, I spoke about learning how to identify what it is you want to create in your life. And in episode 150, I spoke about the importance of your why. And by the way, this work is not a one-stop deal. This question of what you want to create is something that you can do. It's something that I do on a daily basis, even multiple times a day. What do I want to create today? What kind of experience do I want to create? What kind of emotions? What kind of thoughts? This is ongoing work, my friends. Okay, and then in episode 156, I spoke about doing the work of identifying the three ways of being you would like to be in the world. In general, each of us have ways of being that don't necessarily work for us. For instance, by default, I often see myself as anxious, mindless, and judgmental. And so the three ways that I commit to being each day in order to evolve into a better version of myself includes being calm, conscious, and accepting. And I mentioned in an earlier episode that it's totally fine and even worthwhile to figure out your ways and maybe you'll change them around sometimes until you really feel solid in the ways that you want to commit to be. But then the question arises, how do you become those ways? Right? That's the million dollar question. Like, if I want to be calm, and I'm not naturally calm, how do I become calm? What do I need to do? And how often do I need to do that thing in order to become a calm person, or a mindful person, or a loving person, or whatever your way of being is? Well, the short answer is, there is no magic pill. And just as I alluded to in the beginning, the road from here to there is a bumpy one. I would be lying if I were to say anything otherwise. So is there a secret? Well, for me, the secret is in the practice. And it's in the regular practice. And it's in the creative practice, meaning it's not just one way of practicing, but multiple different ways. I'll give you several examples of what I mean and how it is that I'm practicing to become the ways that I'm committed to, which I find are really powerful and valuable and are working for me. So I have a morning routine, and I can't emphasize enough how important having a morning routine is in my life. Now, I'm not going to tell you how long my morning routine is because it doesn't really matter. This is something that if you are interested in exploring, you'll create one for yourself and you'll play with the time and what you do with that time. But I can tell you for sure that how I feel in my life and how on track I feel with my ways of being is in direct proportion to whether or not I carved out time for myself in the morning. For me, the morning is the most magical part of the day And when I don't take advantage of it, and I simply go right into my day, and the kids and the phone and the social media and all of that, if I start my day like that, it's really hard for me to get back on track. So in the morning, I do lots of things, 
not in any one particular order and not any one particular length of time. So one thing I do is prayer. I consider myself a religious person, meaning that I believe in a higher power. And while I don't pray the entire morning service that one would do if they were going to attend a traditional service, I do my kind of prayers. Sometimes I just offer a prayer of thanks. Sometimes I offer a prayer in English that I wrote. Sometimes I chant. That's actually one of my most favorite ways to pray, to take one short sentence from a prayer and sing it over and over and over again. Sometimes I like to listen to a song that has a prayer in it that really resonates with me. But prayer is something I really try to have in my life on a daily basis because it helps me feel connected. And more than that, if I'm not really feeling the ways of being that I want to be feeling, sometimes I just talk out loud to God and I ask for some support. Like easy as that, I just talk out loud and I ask for help. By the way, I do my morning routine in my yoga studio. And I'm imagining that most of you don't have a yoga studio in your house. And what I'd like to say about that is that if you can dedicate one space in your house for your morning routine, whether that's a living room or a family room or a basement or a porch, I would recommend doing that so that that place feels like your spiritual home. So another thing that I do in my mornings is I take a stop. My stops range in time depending on the day and how much time I have, but usually I try to sit for about 18 minutes. Now when I'm taking a stop, when I'm in my meditation, there's different things that I like to do. One is that I like to affirm to myself in my head my ways of being. In other words, I'll take a seat and I'll close my eyes and I'll say something like, I am calm. I am conscious. I am loving. Whatever my words are, I affirm them in my mind. And I'll say them over and over and over again. I am a firm believer in the power of affirmations and their ability to change the neural network in our minds And by offering those words to yourself, you create the opportunity for those words to actually manifest. Similar to that is visualization, and I like to do this as well. When I practice visualization, I imagine how I would look if I were to be one of those ways of being. So for example, I might visualize what I look like when I'm calm. How does the Shira look like when she's calm? How is she acting? How is she speaking? How is she listening? Where is she standing in the house? How is she standing? By visualizing a future me, I bring the possibility of becoming that way even closer to reality. And then in terms of the actual stop or the meditation, while there's lots of different ways to meditate, the one that I like to do is that I start off with affirming my ways of being, like I already mentioned, and then I allow myself to simply sit and rest with those words. What inevitably happens is that a thought arises, 
and then I get lost in that thought. That is totally normal and natural for everyone who does meditation. That's the nature of the mind. And what I do is when I notice myself in thought, I acknowledge the thought, I don't judge it, and then I bring myself right back to the affirmation of how I want to be or how I am being. And it's like a cycle where I affirm, I sit in silence, I get lost in thought, and I come back and I affirm who I am being. And I continue doing that until my alarm goes off, signaling the end of the meditation. So the meditation is not a time to sleep or just kind of sit there. It's really more about waking up. It's about practicing to be the words that I want to be. And when I lose focus, redirecting my mind back. Another thing that I like to do each morning is to read something. Usually it's a small passage from a book, but it's always a book that inspires me or it's written by a teacher who I love. And when I read, I practice being the kind of person that I want to be while reading the book. In other words, I'm giving you an example of how I practice being, not in real life, right, but by creating a practice opportunity for myself when it's not real life. And when I say real life, I mean being with the family, being at work, being in community. So my morning practice is kind of a step down from real life because maybe there's not going to be a lot of obstacles there. But doing this practice when I'm reading or when I'm sitting, it helps to reinforce my ways of being for when I go back to real life. And as I mentioned, it's all in the practice. Okay, so another thing that I like to do each morning is body movement. So I'm a yoga teacher, and the yoga that I now practice is slow and it's very intentional. My practice has actually shifted over time so that now I get into a pose and I hold it for three long breaths, each breath representing one way of being. And here too, just like I did when I was sitting, I say to myself in the pose, I am being this or I am being this. And when I do this, I feel like I'm changing myself on a physical level, like almost on a cellular level to embody those ways of being. So in a way, I guess you can call that an embodiment practice. And I have to say that this practice of all the practices I've mentioned so far is probably what I not only enjoy the most, but what I feel like I benefit from the most. Here's a great example, actually. If I feel like I'm starting my day and I'm feeling not calm, I will roll out my yoga mat and put on some music and I will slowly and mindfully walk around the perimeter of my yoga mat, which if I did it in a normal pace, maybe it would take, I don't know, two seconds. But when I do this in the morning and I'm practicing to be calm, it could literally take me an entire minute to walk around that mat. And sometimes I'll just do that for five or 10 minutes, really focusing on being the person that I want to be when I'm walking. Okay, so I mentioned music. I know some yoga teachers don't use music in their classes. I happen to be a teacher who does. 
I find that music brings me to places of calm and consciousness that really positively affect me. I have a Spotify account and I created a playlist that has all of my favorite and most meaningful songs that I use and play every single morning. Another major part of my morning practice is the journaling. And I've spoken about this on this podcast many times in the past. This is one of the most important pieces as I not only use it as an opportunity to get unstuck or get clear, I finish every entry with reminding myself who it is I want to be for the day that is just about to begin. Because honestly, I don't believe the brain remembers the ways that you want to be. I think the brain needs to be reminded who it wants to be. Otherwise, it's going to go on default, which are the ways that we always are, which are the ways that we don't necessarily want to be. And at the end of each day, I go back to my journal and I do a quick reflection and I just ask myself, was I being X? Was I being Y? Where can I acknowledge myself? And what can I learn if I didn't manifest what I was trying to create? So in addition to the morning practice, there's other things that you can do during the day in quote-unquote real life. So one is that I set my alarm three times a day. The times are set randomly, sometime in the morning, afternoon, and evening. And when the alarm goes off, it kind of shocks me out of whatever I was doing in that moment. And it creates an opportunity for me to ask myself, am I being the person I want to be? It's really as easy and as simple as that. And I really encourage you to try it. If you have a cell phone, you can do this. And yet as simple as it is, it happens to be one of the most powerful exercises I do each day because often we get so involved in our lives that being the person that we want to be can easily slip away from us. And this alarm is a great way to kind of help us wake up. Probably the most obvious way to practice being the way that you want to be is to simply practice being that in real life when the going gets tough and the tough gets going. Often I ask myself during the day, without the alarm clock, just on my own, I ask myself, am I being the person I want to be? Just like that. It's really simple. And that simple question often helps me shift back on track into the person I want to be. One more idea for doing this in real life is to surround yourself with people who are the ways that you want to be. When you can observe others being in a way that for you, maybe it's difficult or it's far-fetched or it's unfamiliar, it can help you realize the possibility of actualizing that for yourself. I cannot emphasize that enough. Be around the people that will raise you up. And on the opposite side, Consider maybe reducing the amount of time, if possible, from the people who bring you down. So in terms of surrounding yourself with the people who inspire you, it may mean finding yourself a teacher or a coach or a group or some way where you are intentionally connecting with people that will support you in your practice. And on that note, I'd like to share with you something very exciting. 
For a couple of years, I have dabbled in the thought of creating regular online gatherings of people, people who have either read my book or listened to this podcast, or they participate in the Living Deliberately Facebook group. And I've had this dream of bringing them together on a weekly basis so that we can practice these tools together and learn and share and support one another in various ways. And I'm so excited to share with you that Living Deliberately Together is now in the testing stages. For the month of May, I am looking for some volunteers to be a part of this great opportunity. We are going to meet on Tuesdays at 12.30 Eastern Standard Time for one hour. I have already sent the information in my newsletter and in the Living Deliberately Facebook group. If you are not on either, now is definitely the time to join so that you can get those links and be a part of this awesome opportunity with me. So my friends, that is it for today. Please keep in mind that this act of becoming takes effort. Please do not think that just because you named your three ways that it's going to be smooth sailing from here. It's not. I actually just spoke with one of my teachers a few days ago, and what she said to me was, this is full-time work. And it is. And she said it not in a way that it's a burden or it's always going to be difficult, but she meant it in a way that it's about consciousness and it's about caring how you show up in the world. And that takes full-time energy. And when you do it, the results are amazing. And when you don't, the results are less. But that's part of the practice. Sometimes we're on track, sometimes we get off track. And I'm going to talk more about that next week. Thank you for tuning in today. And as always, I look forward to living deliberately with you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Living Deliberately podcast. It is my honor and privilege to be able to show up here each week. If you are feeling stuck in your life, or you are looking to create a change, and you'd like some support along the way, please contact me for a complimentary coaching session to get you started on your way. And please, if you liked what you heard today, let me know by leaving me an iTunes review. The best way to stay in touch is by subscribing to my Living Deliberately newsletter, which you can find over at my website at shiragura.com. See you next week.